we go.
If I were to ask the question, do you pray? I'm sure many of you would have a very prompt response by saying, of course I do, every day, and regularly each day. But if I were to change that question and ask, do you bless God every day? I'm not sure the answer would be quite so certain, so general, and so prompt. Praise is certainly not as common in prayer as in other forms of worship. But as David said to God, I will extol thee. Let this be our resolve as we leave here today. We must do this. Not because we owe it to God, but because praise is preeminently characteristic of the faithful child of God. It is so exceptionally beneficial to us that if we would do more of it, we would be more greatly blessed. Not only that, but if we don't praise God here and now, how are we really preparing for our eternal home? Do you realize what we're going to be doing when we get to glory? We're going to be praising God 24-7. The question is, do we need a change of attitude? And so to help us join into this joyful duty, we want to look at Psalm 145 and see how David absorbs himself with what can be described as an every praise attitude. We'll see how David expresses praise for God's power, goodness, and mercy. We'll see how David expresses praise for God's glorious kingdom and providential care. How he praises God for God's care of those who love him. So let's look at the first three verses. A psalm of praise of David. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Verse 3, great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Now, we don't know exactly when David wrote this psalm, but its position near the end of the Psalter tells us how significant it is. Even though he always glorified God in all of his writings, as we read the psalms, we'll see that. He seemed to have reserved this crown jewel of praise for this particular psalm. We see in it God's glory revealed. God's greatness magnified. God's abundance commended and God's grace extolled. But what is most characteristic of this psalm is the word all, appearing some eight times, another synonym for every. That should give us a clue. You see, while David was confident that he could praise God eternally, 
a strong determination to do so every single day that God spared his life on earth, allowed him to express his concerns, his desire in some personal pronouns, the personal pronouns of I will, that he uses four times in just the first two verses. Now, the theme of this psalm, the theme of this psalm is, is God's greatness. And we'll see how great God is in a number of characteristics that he has. And so David is consumed by a holy determination to extol, bless, and praise his God and king, both in time, that's every day, and in eternity, he says, forever and ever. The Hebrew word uh, translated stole here is one of many Hebrew words used in the Psalms for praise. And it means to hold high or to esteem greatly. Now, when we look at the lyrics of the, the music video, we notice that those singers didn't just say praise to God, did they? They said every praise is to our God. And so as David outlines everything that God deserves praise for, we get an idea of what an every praise attitude looks like. We'll see that it's, in, it's, it's actually a, a frame of mind. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. It's an outlook that is always praising God for who he is, what he has done, and what he is doing. So let me ask you, like David, do you have a every praise attitude? Notice what he says in verse 2. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. David says, whatever the circumstances of the day, or of my circumstances and conditions during the day, I will continually glorify God. My glorification of God and praise for God is not going to be determined by my circumstances, David says. And then he says in verse 3, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. The point that David is making here in this, what we might call an endless song, is that God is great. That his greatness is worthy of great praise. And that his greatness is limitless in scope. Worship, in other words, to a certain extent, should be like its object. Great praise for a great God. Notice what Hebrews 13, 15 says. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Notice how the writer of Hebrews spells out four essentials for proper praise. First he says, praise that pleases God is offered by him, that is Jesus Christ, on the basis of his righteousness and how he pleases God. 
And secondly, he says, praise that pleases God is offered continually, which means we're always praising God. Thirdly, praise that pleases God is a sacrifice of praise, which means that it could be costly or it could be inconvenient to praise God. When we saw the video, we saw many of those people going about their daily business and routines, and, and for them, praise, and that praise team showed up. It was kind of inconvenient for a lot of them. You saw the, the expression on their faces. They didn't expect it. And so praise can be costly, and it can be inconvenient, and that's why we probably don't want to do it. But then, praise that pleases God is fruit, the fruit of our lips. It's more than just thoughts and reflecting on God. It's a verbal expression of who God is and what he has done in song and in word. But David said something somewhere else in Psalm 22, 3. He says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. He says, God dwells where praise is, celebrated. He resides in the midst of praises. In other words, God lives in the sanctuary where the praises, thanksgivings, and sacrifices of his people are continually offered on an ongoing basis. David says in Psalm 34, 1, remember that psalm? He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so according to what David is doing here and what he is saying here in just these three verses, praise is, is preeminently characteristic of the faithful child of God, which makes it a non-negotiable, no-brainer for every redeemed child of God to have an every praise attitude. Do you have it? But he tells us why that is so important in verse 4. He says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Here we see God's majesty. The works and mighty acts of God will be praised from one generation to another. And it will be done in a song that will never, ever die. Why? Because God's people will always have an attitude of praise. How will another generation know tomorrow if we don't praise him today? Here we see God's majesty. But notice verse 5. He says, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. It's going to be on my mind. David has an every praise attitude because of God's glorious majesty. God's glorious majesty. David says he himself will greatly, gratefully meditate on the glorious splendor of God's majesty. We see also that David expresses an every praise attitude because of God's wondrous works. Note what he says in Psalm 26 in verse 7. That I may proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving 
and declare all your wonders. And then Psalm 71 verse 17, he says, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. See, it was actually the duty of every faithful Israelite to set forth God's glory in majesty and to declare his works with rejoicing. In Psalm 117 and verse 2 we read, For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. And so we see David here decides that he, he wants to proclaim himself. He wants to be ready for himself to proclaim this duty. And he thinks that others will join him. Will you and I be those who join him by expressing an every praise attitude for all that God is and all that he does and all that he will continue to do? Verse 6, men shall speak of your power, shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. And every praise attitude because of God's greatness is expressed by David's declaration that he will repeatedly, he's going to be like a scorched record. He's going to repeatedly tell others of God's greatness. And by the way, only God and his actions and creations deserve the description of awesome. Nothing else. Not your favorite ice cream. Not your favorite automobile. Not your favorite movie or anything else. Nothing. Like one brother said, N-U-T-T-I-N, nothing. Deserve to be described as awesome other than God and his works. But what are these awesome acts that men will declare or speak of regarding the power of God? Today, men are still speaking about the plagues that affected Egypt. They're still talking about how God destroyed Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. In fact, Hollywood made a big movie about it, the Ten Commandments. Remember that? They're still talking about it. They're still talking about how the earth opened up and, and swallowed Korah and Dathan and those and their whole families and those who conspired with them to bring sin into the camp, just to name a few. But notice, David says, and I will tell of your greatness. Now notice what David is doing here. Remember, the theme of this psalm is God's greatness. Here in verse 6, David reiterates emphasis on the greatness of God that he's already stated in verse 3. God, great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. If there's anything else, that we ought to have an every praise attitude for is the greatness of God. Verse 7, he says, They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and I and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. And so what, according to what David says here, an every praise attitude should be expressed because of God's goodness. Also, the greatness of his righteousness, David says, will be a theme of joyful singing. People are going to always be 
singing about the righteousness of God. Verse 80 says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. So as a gracious God, God's graciousness emphasizes his greatness. God's mercifulness or compassion underscores his greatness. Being slow to anger also tells us that God is great in his ability to exercise self-control. Remember how many times God wanted to wipe out the Israelites and Moses says, no, Lord, no. Slow to anger. God's loving kindness and faithful love reveals the genuineness of his love. So much so that he gave his only begotten son. What love? What boundless love? Verse 9. The Lord is good to all. And his mercies are over all his works. Notice. God's goodness extends to all without discrimination. He is compassionate toward all his creatures without exception. In fact, Jesus tells us that. In Matthew 5, 45, Jesus says, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so in these first nine verses, we see David expressing through an every praise attitude, praise for God's power, goodness, and mercy. But an every praise attitude should also be expressed in praise for God's glorious kingdom and providential care. Verse 10, all your works will thank you, Lord. And your faithful followers will praise you. Notice, all, not some, not a few. All of God's works give him thanks, even though some do so silently. Every single day, 24-7, 365 days a year. Why? Because their very existence demonstrates the greatness of his wisdom and his power. But notice he says, and his faithful followers, that ought to be you and I. His faithful followers join in blessing him for his infinite perfections. How do we do that? We do that through an every praise attitude. Always thinking about praising God for what he's done and what he is doing and what he will do. But notice verse 11. He says, they will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. Verse 12. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. Verse 13. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. But get this. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. Notice how the greatness of his glory, power, and kingdom 
is so significant that his people cannot resist the urge to tell all mankind about it. Are you resisting the urge today? They stress how mighty his deeds are. Some people brag and talk about how this, this movie is and how this person is so good and so great. But these people, are, they, they are stressing how mighty God's deeds are, along with the bright, shining perfections of his rule. Many people are complaining about the rule of the current government today. Are you praising God for his rule? Because his kingdom is an everlasting, it's everlasting, his rule throughout all generation extends or is extended. But notice also that he is not known for broken promises. God never broke the promise. How many times have people said something to you or made promises and they've been broken? Isn't that something to have an all we praise attitude for? That we have a promise-keeping God. But notice verse 12 reminds us of something. Verse 12 reminds us that it's part of the duty of saints, according to verse 10, what we've just read, to make known as widely as possible, if possible, to everyone the mighty deeds and glory of God. Primarily for God's glory, first and foremost. And secondarily, to bring about their conversion and commitment to God in service. You see, we are saved to serve. Did you know that? But there are many people who are saved from a fire insurance policy. They're not going to hell. But somehow they're stuck. They're satisfied that they're saved, but they're stuck. And so they're saved, satisfied, Unstuck, because they haven't come to the realization that they are saved to serve. Look at verse 14. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. So we see another aspect of God's greatness here. The Lord is great in how he helps those who have fallen under the burdens of life. And there are many. He lifts those who are buckled under the pressures that the problems of life brings on them unexpectedly. For this kind of caring consideration, we express our gratitude with an every praise attitude. Verse 15, notice, the eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. Verse 16, when you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Here's another reason why God's people like David ought to have an every praise attitude. We see God's provisions here in verse 15. All creatures look to him not only in dependence, but in expectation, they know who their creator is. They know what he is capable of doing. They know that he could be depended upon. They know that he could be relied upon. They know they're not going to starve. They look to him for their sustenance as they need it. 
And God knows when they need it. In his omniscience, he knows. He does so in a marvelous organizational achievement of growth, preparation, and distribution that is second to none. Red Cross got nothing on him. FEMA, nothing on him. NEMA, nothing on him. With no greater effort than simply opening his hand, he fully and adequately supplies or satisfies both hunger and thirst by feeding his countless creatures throughout the world. What a great God. Isn't he worthy of praise? Verse 17 says, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. How could we not have an every praise attitude when we consider God's righteousness? Jehovah Sekenu, the Lord our righteousness. He is great in his righteousness, but he's also great in his kindness. The verse tells us, nothing he does is ever wrong or unmerciful in any way, shape, or form. In fact, these two virtues, righteousness and kindness, unite perfectly only in God. Only in God. And so David, in verses 10 through 17, expresses praise for God's glorious kingdom and providential care. And he does it by having an every praise attitude. It's a way of life. It was a way of life for David to have that kind of attitude. But an every praise attitude should also be expressed, thirdly, in praise for God's care of those that love him. That's us. Verse 18 says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Here we see God's availability. God's greatness is revealed by how accessible he is. Not to some, but to all. God's omnipresence is in view here. Reminding us that he is never, ever distant but always close, the verse says, close to all those who sincerely look for him. See, God doesn't duck and dodge. Your MP may do that, but God never does that. He is always close to all. Verse 19 says, he grants and desires those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects those who love him. God's protection is seen here emphasizing the security he provides in response to cries for help and how he rescues them. God never turns a deaf ear, as it were. No one who approaches him in repentance and faith is ever turned away. Never in disappointment turned away. How could we not have 
an every praise attitude for this kind of security and protection. There's no agency on earth that can provide better protection than this. No one on earth can provide better security. Not even the secret service. But look at verse 20. And this is in relation to God's people as well. Just four words. He destroys the wicked. He destroys the wicked. 20b. The reality of God's justice is seen here. And it's clear about his wrath that he destroys the wicked. Another testimony of his greatness. In a world with so much injustices, especially against the redeemed of the Lord. And every praise attitude can keep us focused because we know that God's got our back. He is there for us. He will take care of the wicked. It is he who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so we, so we see God's great justice system never fails. Many people go to courts and the justice don't get justice. But God's justice never fails. And then at verse 21 he says, I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. You see, David's mind is made up here. He is intelligent in head and he's inflamed in heart. He would praise this great God forever and ever and he encourages everyone else to do the same thing. That includes you and me. He says, what are you waiting for? In fact, in Psalm 34, 3, he says, come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. And I believe that's the sentiment that, 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 that those people had in that, in that video had when they said, every praise to God, all with one accord. Let us all, David says, exalt his name together. So while all the universe is always praising God under the sun, don't you be the missing one. Now even though David was thinking mainly of the earthly blessings that God had promised to Israel, if they obeyed the laws that we see outlined in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 14, God laid out his laws. And if you read that in, in your time, in your private time, you'll notice the many blessings God gives. And so even though David was thinking mainly about those blessings, what he wrote in this psalm also points to spiritual and eternal blessings that we have and enjoy right now. And these blessings were mentioned by the Apostle Paul. In his letter to the Ephesians, in chapter 1, he notes that we have been chosen in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 4. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And then he says, we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of of his grace. 
But he also says we are adopted into the family of God. Verse 5 of chapter 1. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. And finally, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 13 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. In him also, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so, beloved, we, are, we have been chosen, redeemed, adopted, and sealed. And we bless God by praising him. And he blesses us and makes us glad by showering upon us his riches and his grace. How then shall we, shall ask these specific blessings in Christ impact the way we believers live our lives every single day. How? By expressing, like David did in this psalm, through an every praise attitude, praise for God's power, goodness, and mercy, praise for God's glorious kingdom and benevolent care, praise for God's care for those that love him. And the reason for this joyful duty of praise is that is God's glorious majesty, God's wondrous works, God's greatness, God's goodness, God's graciousness, God's mercifulness or his compassion, God's loving kindness or faithful love, God's provision, God's righteousness, God's availability. God's protection, God's justice. I repeat, praise is preeminently characteristic of the faithful child of God. It is so exceptionally beneficial to us that if we did more of it, we would be more greatly blessed. In this psalm, David tells us how we can be greatly blessed by praising God. Praise helps us focus on God by taking our minds off our problems and our weaknesses and faults. Praise directs us from personal meditation to shared worship. Praise causes us to reflect on God's character with much more greater appreciation. Praise raises our outlook from the earthly to the heavenly. And finally, praise prepares our hearts to accept both God's love and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so praising God must, must be our daily task why? Because God is blessing us every single day. Is there ever a day that God is not blessing you? Every single day God is blessing us. His greatness and goodness cannot be fully comprehended. And when we have said all we can in praising him, there is, however, still more that can be said through an every praise attitude. 
Let's pray. Our Father, you have given us in your word today much, so much, that we can go through in praising you every moment of the day through all that you do. Sometimes we are reluctant. Sometimes we just don't think about it. Sometimes we are like the nine of the ten lepers. You bless us so abundantly. And we forget all about it. We are so absorbed in the blessing that we forget the one who has blessed us. Lord, as we humbly bow before you today, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be mindful that your servant David, who was described as a man after your own heart, in spite of all his failures, had an attitude that was always praising you for who you are, what you have done, and what you continue to do. Humble us in our presence. Help us to see David's example and do likewise. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.